Welcome to the New York City Bar Association podcast. In this episode, we need to talk about Iowa. Governor Hochul has proposed transferring $100 million from the state's Iola account into the state general fund. That could have cascading consequences for the state's legal services community and the hundreds of thousands of New Yorkers that it serves. We're here today to help you understand what Iola is, the stakes in the governor's budget proposal, and what lawyers and others can do to stand up for Iola. I am Maria Salenti, the Senior Policy Counsel at the New York City Bar Association. I have with me Chris O'Malley and Kurt Denk. Hi, Maria. My name is Chris O'Malley. I'm the Executive Director of the Interest on Lawyer Account Fund of the State of New York, or IOLA. I'm Kurt Denk, Executive Director of the City Bar Justice Center, which is the civil legal services arm of the New York City Bar Association. Uh, the Justice Center is an IOLA grantee. Uh, I also sit on the board of the New York Legal Services Coalition, which has done a lot of advocacy around this issue. Fantastic. Thank you. Let's dive in. There's been a lot of news and conversation over the last week or so about IOLA. And a lot of folks, even lawyers, don't know exactly what IOLA is or how it works. So this podcast is going to be sort of a high-level conversation. We're not going to get too in the weeds. We can have more podcasts to do that if our guests will come back, I hope. But today is going to be just a conversation for folks who want to learn more about IOLA and why uh, this issue is now um, sort of risen to the surface. So let's start with Chris, the executive director of IOLA, with the very first question. Um, what is IOLA? How does it work? And what is it used for? IOLA was created 40 years ago. What it is, it's an organization that takes the money that is generated on attorney escrow accounts, it takes that revenue and pools it from around the state. And then we use that money to make grants to civil legal service providers throughout the state who provide services for low-income New Yorkers. And that's in a nutshell what we do. Okay. Let me ask the follow-up question. You said it's on attorney escrow accounts. For listeners who may not be as familiar with sure. the topic, can you describe what the attorney escrow account is used for, and mm -hmm. what do you mean by the term pooling? Okay. And thirdly, how the revenue that you reference that goes from the attorney escrow account to IOLA, how it gets there. Great. So attorneys often have situations where they have to hold either a client or a third person's money. And one of the basic premises of attorney ethics is that they can never mingle their account with a client or third person's account. So the issue then becomes, what do you do when you have to hold money for somebody else? If you're holding money for somebody for a long period of time, or it's enough money so that the interest from that account will benefit for whomever you're holding it for, then you set up a, se a separate escrow account, you hold it, and any interest from that money is generated, goes to the client or third party whose money it is. Many times, though, an attorney is holding a money for a very short period of time, or it might be not a substantial amount, and it's not possible to set up an individual account for a benefit of the person whose money it is. Prior to the formation of IOLAs, and there are IOLA funds in all 50 states and territories, the banks would just pocket that interest. At any given time in New York, 
right now, there's nearly $9 billion of that type of money floating around. It might not be a lot for an individual client, but when it's pooled across the state, it's a substantial sum of money. So what IOLA does is it gives an easy way for an attorney, once the attorney has individually evaluated the, the money he's holding, and he or she has made the determination as to whether it's something that could benefit the person or not, it gives an easy way for attorneys to uphold a very important ethical obligation not co-mingle their money with anybody else's. And as an added bonus, it helps them fulfill their one of their ethical duties, which is to work for the public good and specifically to help improve civil legal services. Okay, so when I first learned really what IOLA was, my first thought was, it's brilliant. I mean, <laughs> it's a brilliant idea. I understand it was established in the law in 1983, is that correct? That is correct. So there's sort of a statute that describes how this all works. The interest then goes directly from the bank to IOLA, and then IOLA grants that money out to legal services organizations to provide um, civil legal aid to folks who can't afford counsel. You're right with one, there's one important Correction, I have to make to what you just Please described. Do. Please do. IOLA does, we monitor all the banks where these accounts are held, and there are nearly 50,000 accounts over several hundred banks throughout New York State. So we do monitor the money. It does get pooled, but then the money gets sent to New York State. Okay. And then it gets appropriated to IOLA, and that's going to become very important later on in our discussion. I because understand. So Iola doesn't have physical custody of the money. New York State does. Understood. And I, I, I think that's what's called foreshadowing. Okay. Well done. So let's, let's skip to, I want to move to Kurt, because then the idea is that this money makes its way, this interest on lawyer escrow accounts makes it, that otherwise would have gone to the banks, now right. makes its way to legal services organizations to help New Yorkers in need, people facing crises, et cetera. So okay. who can't afford lawyers. So Kurt, wearing sort of both hats, a board member of the Legal Services Coalition and as the executive director of the Justice Center, one of the grantees, there are hundreds of IOLA grantees, I'm sorry, 81, 81. 81 right now. Grantees in New York who receive money from IOLA who do legal services work. But Kurt, can you talk a little bit about what a, so what does the Legal Services Organization do? What, with that money? What kind of clients do you represent? What is, how is that money used? Sure. So this, this money is really crucial. And just to explain, I mentioned the Justice Center is an IOLA grantee. We're very grateful for that funding. It's the second largest source of our funding, and it's a very close second. So that gives you a sense of how important it is. And we are one of 81 grantees. So I can talk a little bit about the Justice Center, but also you mentioned the New York Legal Services Coalition. I really hope I'm representing, in a sense, the perspective of legal services organizations broadly. And I want to use a phrase that all of us who are IOLA grantees know very well. The phrase is essentials of life, okay? Just to make really clear, to bring home what this money helps people with. And when we talk about essentials of life, it's essentially what are the legal services, what's the legal help that... New Yorkers, our neighbors who don't have money to hire an attorney need so they can get food, shelter, jobs, healthcare, education, 
have their civil rights vindicated. That's what we're talking about. It's really the very basic things that people need, not just to thrive, but really to survive. So that's why this is so important. So to talk about our work, we're one of 81 grantees. What does this look like? The, the Justice Center uh, has a staff of about 40. Our free civil legal services benefit over 25,000 New Yorkers of limited resources each year. And if we look at the broad pool of IOLA grantees, all 81, the 81 grantees last year closed 307,000 cases, benefiting 639,000 New Yorkers. And again, what's the benefit? It's help with food, shelter, jobs, healthcare, education, the basics. So when there is a question about the stability of this funding, that is what is at risk. And that's why people are so concerned about what has been proposed. Speaking for our own organization, there would be a very significant impact in our capacity to help the number of people that we do if it's no longer clear that this money is stable. I have a follow-up, Maria, but I'll come back to it. I want to make sure we talk through, this is going back a step maybe, what Kurt referenced the proposal and the impact of the proposal. Mm -hmm. So let's be clear for everyone listening, what is the proposal of, that the governor has made that is making, that is creating this sort of degree of upset and outrage among, among lawyers? I'd just like to add a little bit to what you said um, about all the great work that IOLA grantees do. We collect all the data about that. And besides the life-changing impact it has for the individual clients, we also track the economic benefits to the entire state of New York, and they're quite considerable. It's important to understand that IOLA grantees, through the work they do for their clients, bring in substantial sums of federal money into New York through SSI, SSD, that's Social Security benefits, Medicare, Medicaid. And in, so hundreds of millions of dollars come in every year to New York, and that has an economic stimulus effect. And altogether, the impact for uh, the last year of full records is over $3.5 billion of economic impact in New York and the creation of over 8,000 jobs. So it's not just good for the individuals, it's good for the entire state. And so that's Thank why you. I, 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 normally that. we might just be having a talk about all the terrific work that IOLA grantees do and how important it is. But the reason why we're kind of speaking today in an almost a crisis situation is in the current budget that the governor put forth, I believe January 16th, her fiscal year 25 executive budget, the governor is proposing to take $100 million from the IOLA account, from those pooled attorney escrow funds and transfer it into the general fund. And so that means that money, which is by legislation designated specifically for the provision of civil legal services to low-income New Yorkers, is now just being swept into a general fund and can be used to build highways or fix potholes or whatever the governor, frankly, in her budget wants to do with that money. So that's why we're in what we think is really a crisis situation, because this has never been done in the entire 40-year history of Viola. And we think besides the direct harm it would do to all the people who rely on Iola and, and its funding, 
It also will go to the very foundations of kind of our independence. And what if this happens every year going forward? It's going to be extremely harmful to the broader civil legal aid community, but also to the legal the legal community because of the importance of IOLA accounts for attorneys' work. Thank you so much. And one one quick follow-up and then Kurt. If I'm listening to this and I don't know much about, and I'm a person who doesn't know much about IOLA or interest mm-hmm. rates, I'm a little bit shocked by that number because I'm right. thinking, oh, interest on a bank account, right? right? How much could that add up to? This $100 million, How? where did that come from? Is that some, can you explain how it got to be that number? Sure. And then Kurt, I'd like you to, if you could follow up a little bit with the perspective of the pro bono community and the pro bono lawyers that you work with and that legal services organizations work with that at law firms. Well, Maria, one of the great things about the IOLA program is it generates money from attorney escrow accounts based on interest. So that's a a very um, simple mechanism. It doesn't cost the attorneys anything, doesn't cost the clients anything. The problem with it, though, is interest rates can be extremely volatile. And just to give a little perspective, in 2007, IOLA was in a pretty positive interest rate. And at that time, we were making over $30 million a year. After the economic crisis of 2008, interest rates plunged. And so there was a 12-year period when IOLA's uh, revenue was below 2007 levels at a time when, of course, the need for civil legal aid kept on growing. So there's there, that 12 years of unmet need and, and demand that we have to address. Right before the pandemic, interest rates started to go up again. The pandemic happened and interest rates plunged. As we were, as IOLA was preparing to issue its most recent request for funding proposals, basically we're asking people to apply for the funding they need. We were setting that in August of 22, roughly, when interest rates were significantly lower. And historically, they had been at low for quite a while. Then they took off in a way that nobody could anticipate. And now the Fed fund target rate, which kind of drives interest rates across the country, is, I believe, at five and a half percent. That's known as 550 basis points. It had been as low as 25 basis points during that period I had discussed. So suddenly IOLA IOLA accounts are generating a significant increase in their revenue. And frankly, we think that's why it drew the attention of the division of budget and the governor when she was creating her budget. I see, thank you. But the statute that governs all of this doesn't say when interest rates are high and you collect and there's more money, it goes to some other use. The statute is clear that it go, that this is for civil legal services. Yeah, and something that's really important along that too, because frankly, I think the governor's office is starting to say, well, they have a lot of money. Two things to that. As I just pointed out, we did not have a lot of money for a 12-year period. Secondly, interest rates are going to go down, and it's not uh, a supposition on my point. The Fed has already indicated that they're going to cut rates in 24, and they anticipate cutting them in 25. And it's really important in terms of our grant making to be able to provide stability to our grantees over time. And so our next request for funding proposals is slated to go out this August. 
And we're very grateful that we'll be in a position most likely to con considerably raise the amount of money we're providing. But we also have to think about what happens for the two years after that and going forward. So stability is really important and it can't be a situation where when those rare times when IOLA is in a positive interest rate environment, you can't just take it away. Understood. Thank you. That was very clear. Thank you. Kurt, let's talk a little bit about the, the pro bono community, who they are, how you work with them, how this impacts uh, that as well. So to just describe this from the, the standpoint of the City Bar Justice Center, I mentioned earlier in our conversation, we have a staff of about 40 people and we close between 10 and 12,000 cases a year that benefit about 25,000 New Yorkers. So if, if you sit back and say, wait, let's do the math. How do 40 people, not all of them who are lawyers, close that many cases? What we call it is it, it's the leveraging effect of pro bono. So the Justice Center has a staff of about 40. Last year, we recruited, trained, mentored, and supervised about 1,800 pro bono attorneys. So these are uh, lawyers from large firms, small firms, solo attorneys, attorneys who work at, uh, at corporations all over the place who have volunteered their time to take on our cases, working with our clients, again, to secure those essentials of life. So part of what is so important here, I think, and again, it, it's a policy issue, right? It's a policy dispute with the governor here, is to recognize that if our funding is cut, if IOLA funding is destabilized, that obviously impacts our staff, but then there is a ripple effect because it impacts our ability to, again, recruit, train, mentor, supervise those pro bono attorneys, those very generous attorneys and private practice who might not know how do you do a housing case? How do you do a consumer bankruptcy case? How do you work on a veteran's disability claim? All those sorts of things. That work is possible because we train those attorneys and we help them do that work. So that's what's so important from a policy standpoint, I think, for people to recognize is that this doesn't just hit our organizations, the work that we do. It's going to have a ripple effect in the private bar. And part of what we're hearing from the private bar, our pro bono partners, is that among other things that they like about pro bono, the biggest being they like to help our neighbors in need, is that this is good, this is good training for attorneys. It helps them broaden their skills, deepen their interest. It keeps them engaged in their work. It helps them meet colleagues in the professions. This is good for the community. This is good for the profession. So that's another concern. Let me just add one other here that I think is important because a lot of people might say to themselves, well, the governor, she has to worry about the whole state. There are a lot of need. So maybe she's made a decision that this money is needed for something else. I'll just add speaking just for my own organization, but I know this is the case for other IOLA grantees. The stability of our IOLA and other state funding has allowed us over the past couple of years, especially since the pandemic, to make our services more holistic. So to give an example, the City Bar Justice Center, we have for the first time created uh, a full-time social worker function within the Justice Center because a lot of people with civil legal problems, it's connected to other things. They need referrals for other sorts of help. So if funding is cut and we have to shrink back our operations, other legal services organizations do as well, there's going to be another ripple effect. People who have those needs met by us are going to be knocking on the door of city offices, of state offices, and saying, I need help finding healthcare, a food bank, 
a place to stay. So that's something else that I think people should really be thinking about when they consider the impact of this proposal. This is every time I hear more and more about Iola, I'm kind of blown away by the incredible breadth of its reach in this program that, you know, let's be honest, it's a little wonky interest rates, basis points, right? But when you step back and look at the impact, it is, it's incredible. And it involves helping the community. It involves every facet of the legal profession. If you have a 20, 30 person real estate firm in New York City or upstate, and you do hundreds of real estate deals a year and you use an IOLA account and that helps your, your operations because as you explained, Chris, you get to pool that instead of keeping 150 separate escrow accounts and all that sort of accounting of that. And you, so you have the IOLA account, the interest on that goes to help fund legal services. And you have a couple of folks who really want to get back to the community and they do pro bono work and they're working with the local legal services organization that is funded by, in part by Iola. I mean, it's a, it's just a connector. It's a circle and the impact is incredible. And thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and your expertise and the work you do every day about this. So let's end on the the sort of response of the legal profession to this has been kind of fast and furious in trying to express to policymakers the importance of IOLA and uh, the wish, the urging that this, what people call a sweep of the funding not happen. Do either of you want to speak to that or ways that, you know, folks who listen to this can get involved if they would like to? Well, one aspect that's been very positive out of an unfortunate situation has been the incredible response from both the civil legal aid community and the larger community of lawyers. And, and I think that response has been driven by just what Kirk was talking about, just how vital this work is to individuals, to communities, and to the entire legal profession. And so there've been, yesterday, a letter was released that had over 170 uh, signatories, um, leading organizations throughout the state, but just not from the legal community. The New York Community Trust was a signee. I saw there were United Way, Veterans Affairs organizations, all people who realized just how important the work that's being done and this funding is. And so that's one way you can respond. I know that the private bar is also writing letters in opposition of this proposed transfer. And so if any connection that an individual attorney might have with a particular legislator or senator or the governor, or write a letter to the editor of your local paper or reach out to your local bar association, if you're an attorney, let them know that you think this is important. And that way we can all let the governor know that this is a, a an ill-advised policy decision. And, and to be frank, I, I don't think people in Albany, when they looked at what just looked like an attractive pile of money, really realized what was behind it. And so I, I hope this uh, podcast has kind of enumerated that a little bit. It comes from a very specific source and is for a very specific service. And it's vital to both the legal aid community and the way lawyers practice law. Kurt, you have anything you want to add to that before we close? 
I would echo everything that Chris said, and I would just add to it. This is something we're sitting here in New York City right now, those of us, but this affects uh, the entire state. I mentioned my role on the New York Legal Services Coalition. That is a coalition of dozens of legal services organizations across the entire state, all of whom are concerned about this and have mobilized. This affects the entire state. And there are the letters that have been released and there are others coming. We know that they're gathering signatures right now. Everyone from solo attorneys from all corners of the state to the chairpersons of the some of the largest law firms in the world that are headquartered in New York City and general counsel from, from major corporations. So this is a real grassroots organizing around opposition to this to make sure that a good policy decision comes out of this. Well, thank you so much for spending time and talking about this. We may have to ask you both back to and kind of update folks in, in a week or so. We'll see what happens. And perhaps I can just add the IOLA website has a lot of the letters that have been sent in, uh, ways folks can get involved. Uh, we'll also, when we post this podcast, we can link to a bunch of hopefully helpful resources. So thank you and have a good rest of the day. Thanks, Thanks both of you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the New York City Bar Association podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, please like and subscribe wherever you listen. Find more City Bar podcasts on Apple, Spotify, Google, iHeart, or at our website at www.nycbar.org podcasts. Be sure to check out This Lawyer's Life, a professional development podcast where we talk with lawyers about seizing opportunities, learning lessons the hard way, and about what makes them tick. And don't miss Building Belonging, a podcast that embraces authentic conversations about DEIB solutions by amplifying the most marginalized voices in the legal industry and exploring spaces others dare not. This podcast was produced and edited by Eli Cohen.